Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of the Dr. Karina Smith Podcast. Conversations about yin yoga and Chinese medicine. Hello and welcome to this uh, very exciting conversation today, this discussion that we're going to have today. I am thrilled, finally, in this um, in this presentation to bring you the man behind the scenes. So in this particular conversation today, I am introducing Robbie, my brother, my business partner, my best mate, one of my favorite people on the planet who has been quintessential in helping and helping to bring everything that I do come onto the screen. And he is a jack of all trades and I can't wait for you to meet him. And so without further ado, Welcome, Robbie. Oh, hello, mate. Hey, pal. How are you doing? I've got oh, this new day. orange um, flannelette shirt. and I, I and love I, it. Yeah. I mean, you can't see it. It's just pretty classic, but I accidentally bought two. Okay. So they came in during the week and I thought, you know, if you want one. Mmm. Oh, matchy, matchy. Orange cardi mm. number. Pretty nice. Right. Yeah. Well, we have a pretty fun time, don't we? We have a great time. And, I mean, the fact that we're now actually working together and we have an official business partnership, the ATO knows we're partners. Uh, you know, business. I think that's, yeah, it's real. It's not just, you know, playing. You know, we got serious. Yeah. We got our own tax file number together. Mm. Which just makes it all the more fun when we have our daily phone check-in to discuss all the things. What's and business? there's there's always just so much happening. There's always so many different things for us to check in about because there's so many little aspects to what we're creating, really. And, um, yeah, it's been a, a bit over a year that we've really just kind of taken off and taken this new direction. And, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love for you to talk about how this collaboration began, well, this, you know, the most recent part of our collaboration. We've been doing song and dance numbers together for a long time <laughs> before this. But what was the what was the beginning of this collaboration like for you? Yeah, well, I think before it sort of evolved into where we are now, I think I I had sort of made a move into video production. So my background had been in sort of jack of you know, as you said in the intro, like a jack of all trades and sort of fingers in lots of different pies. But I sort of embraced the world of video production probably at the start of 2019. And you were sort of in year two of your teacher trainings. And you were looking for a way for your teacher trainings to be less in the room, but less information that had to be sort of uh, dealt out in the room so that it was a bit of pre-learning so you could actually have a bit more time for Q&A because you'd probably run, I don't know, by that point, maybe maybe two, maybe three or, or more with your time at AYA as well. So, you know, and the course was packed. Mm. There, there was so much content and you would like, how can I free up some room without adding another four days? I might exaggerate on four days. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you're right. I'd created a course that was so, it was bursting at the seams. There was no way for me to do that any more than I was already doing it because I was already at capacity because it was making me so exhausted to deliver it because I had created something so huge. Yeah. And 
you know, I think some of your feedback at that time from your students, like the students were loving it, but they were like, there was a, an overload or, you know, at the end of each day, they had questions that they might not have had a chance to ask. And then mm. they might come back the next week and they, you know, they might have written down the questions, but then they were, it was like, no time for questions. We've got to yeah. finish <laughs> to the course. Um, yeah, I, I was running a pretty tight ship back then. And I realised that the space that's required for those organic, spontaneous conversations that need to happen with, the, with that particular group of people that have particular questions that they want to ask, it should be, needs to be in there because they're paying really good money for this experience and they want particular things that they are interested in they want to they want those questions to be answered so it it needed to it needed more space in there and the only way that we could do that is if we started to think about how do we translate some of this to film yeah mm. i think just on that what you're saying there about learning i think you know i think that's how we all learn to a certain degree like we we hear the information but until we can sort of it's just part of that processing and how do we actually put that information how does it make sense? And some of those concepts mm. you're introducing are, are pretty mind-blowing or sort of light bulby. It's like, huh? Uh, that's, mm. I haven't heard that before. Hang on. Can we just rewind? <laughs> no time. Keep going. No time. No time. It's in the after class. <laughs> yeah. So. Which uh, is in a really intense way to do that, P.S. Like very quickly I learnt. Okay, this for us for this to be sustainable, I've got to do this a different way. But I mean, that's that's the beauty of of your own learning. Whilst you were other people were learning through other people's learning, you were learning. You know, mm -hmm. it's this sort of lovely loop, and which just mean means that the people who are doing your course now, no offense to anyone who took your earlier courses, but the people who do your course now are getting a. A, a, a you know a tweaked superior thought out product with lots of time to ask questions. Mm. Yeah, and now they get time to watch content in the week and digest it and think about it. And then when we get together, that's the the, the premium the premium way that you do this training now is all about the space. Mm. <laughs> so you can ask those questions because you've had this time to digest it, and they get to watch that content over and over and over again. So if they want to. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. So that timeline would put us at the end of we we're leading up to 2019. And I think we looked at, you know, the five modules that your training make up. And I think we, we just worked out what is sort of the most cover to cover, least amount of questions, just sort of content that, that could just buy you a couple of hours out of the training. And we looked at your teaching skills and we then hired a studio in Yarraville. Kindred Studios, and we pumped it out in a day, really. We did your teaching skills, and then I was going over to work overseas. And I was expected to be there for eight months. I was going to be away for eight months. But mm. obviously, the world had some other plans, and <laughs> I was back within about three months. <laughs> so that puts us, yeah, I was back sort of mid-March, jobless, and with some time on my hands and looking for projects to keep me busy. I <laughs> <laughs> could frame that, that time, you know, and, and we didn't know how long last year was going to be or, you know, what 
whether I was going to be back, you know. It's still going. Last year is still going, isn't it? It's still there. Um, but, you know, we when we got sent, I was working on a ship, obviously. You know that, obviously, to anyone else. I was obviously working. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, you know, when we, when we got given that end of contract notice, we were told as we were leaving, it's only for three weeks. You know, so people so are- just just for the people that are listening, this was a um, this was an amazing performance opportunity on this ship. This was a, a stage production on a contract. Pretty amazing opportunity. You were super excited about it, and it just got cut short. And you came back to Australia under extreme duress. Like it was it was quite difficult to even figure out how you were going to get back because everything was in such a state of panic. So by the time you kind of got back here, you were really what like you had just been cut off at the knees you thought that you were headed in a particular direction but it wasn't it, it obviously didn't work out that way and then you were just sort of hanging for a while like what am i going to do yeah this is not what i thought i'd be doing well and, and we all sort of were like like that that message of you'll be back in three weeks it's only we're sitting over three weeks you know and then you just keep getting emails from your employer at the time that would be like, yep, we think we're going to be back from this date. We think we're going to be back from this date. And, you know, different countries were handling it in different ways and different companies were handling it in different ways. Obviously, the tourism industry, the entertainment industry has all been dramatically affected. But, um, you know, you were just not sure when things are going to get busy for you or when you're going to get employed or you, or making plans generally became quite hard. I mean, everyone had trouble making plans, but that mm. gave- Still are. <laughs> you know, right? um, but that gave you and I a bit of creative space to just have a bit of a chat. And I think we just started looking at doing sort of some, I think where it started was we sort of just were chatting about some small YouTube videos primarily focused on your Chinese medicine stuff as tools that you could use to educate your patients mm -hmm. or flip of that to actually be, you know, really marketing tools, you know, content-driven marketing videos that you could put on Instagram to let the world know that you were entering Chinese medicine as a practitioner. You were opening a clinic because you obviously opened your clinic at the start of last year too. And that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then um, the collaboration just sort of grew. And I, I can't remember exactly when you said this to me, but you just said, I've got some time. I want to keep working on my videography skills. There's lots of things I want to learn. Let's turn your entire course into a digitized version and put it up online. And I thought, oh, my God, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. For the two and a bit years prior to that moment, I'd been slogging away, creating this uh, lovely but a bit heavy analog lo-fi version of the course, which is quite special. That's the face-to-face -face version of the course. That's the, the human touch. But with all of this wild change in the world, everybody was getting this massive push to get online. It was a scramble to get online. You couldn't buy a lapel mic. 
You couldn't buy anything for there ages. There was nothing. <laughs> there was I, nothing. I remember going to Office Works looking for a printer cable, classic USB to USB, nothing fancy printer. Just cable. a bog standard bog. printer cable. <laughs> printer cable. Sorry, sir. Six to eight weeks, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Wow. Yeah, Australia has just gone tech mad. I mean, you had millions of people trying to set up home offices that didn't mm. have it, so. Let alone a webcam. Webcams were like gold nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Toilet paper, webcam. Toilet paper, webcam. Sorry, sir. Six to eight months. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. couldn't find it. Um, mm. So, yeah. So, you had some tech. You had some pretty sweet tech. And you said to me, let's just film it in your apartment. And I thought to myself, really? And you're like, yeah. It's like, is there enough space? And I ask all the questions. And you're like, yeah, we can totally do it. And that was brilliant. It was. I mean, filming it at your place. I mean, that wall you you've obviously moved house now. You sort of got a you know a homage to that original. There's there's, you know remnants of the brand behind me. Yeah, but that wall was just such a a thing, and it was just beautiful, and it was um, it was lovely to film on. And I think you know from a financial point of view, we sort of went you know what would it cost to hire a studio? And you know if you're talking about filming at what is a 50-hour in-person course. And I think there's the final teacher training online. There's about 33, 34 hour produced hours of video. Mm. So what, you know, I don't know what that would actually be if you were looking to shoot that as a schedule. Well, what do they say for one hour on film? You've got to allow for three hours of setting up or having breaks or edits, something like that. Something like that. Like it's, it's a long process. And yeah, that would have cost us quite a bit just to hire a space, and that, and then we would have been bumping things in and out. They would have been huge days. But because it was at my house, if we were getting tired, if I was getting tired, uh, we would just stop and have yeah. a break. It was so lovely. And you kept saying to me, "There's no rush. We can set the, set our own pace," which was m- magical for me to hear because I had just been go 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 go. And I really needed those reminders over and over again that, hey, we're setting our own schedule here. We're going to do this in our own time, which was really, really great. And that's empowering, you know, to be able to to have something that you're working for. So you're still on a goal and you're still on that track, but to to actually say out loud that we are in control, we decide how hard we want to push ourselves. And and what benefit is, you know, in, in this exact example, you know, we launched the course mm, officially in February. You know, what difference would it have been launching it in January or December? Mm. Probably nothing. Not much. Nah, I don't know much. Um, but, you know, probably would have actually worked against this. You know, who wants to look, think about doing a, a training course in December or January in Australia? Not many people. It's sort of you're pretty summer mm. oriented. So, you know, take control and 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 keep working at it. But there was there really was no rush. Mm. Yeah, and just with what you said before about what a blessing it was for us to have a space that we could, we could work in that we didn't have to find the extra cost for. I think that's one of the things that's been so brilliant about you and I doing this together is that. You've got all these skills that I don't have, and I've got 
all of my uh, education and the things that I'm working on clinically and all of my years of teaching yoga and the course to add into the mix. So we've just got this really beautiful blend of really, really good tech skills, plus something that's being offered uh, in a way that not many other people are doing it. And if I had had to find somebody like you that didn't also happen to be my brother and my best mate, to bring those skills to the party, to create what we have created, there's no way that I could have done that at the, at the level that we've done it. Well, it just gets expensive, you know. That's what I mean. Any the cost, Just the cost of that, but also the, the, the beautiful thing about this has been that you and I are always in conversation about what we're doing and what's happening and then in that is also us expressing our emotions about something or things that we think are not working that would be a lot to ask of someone that you're just hiring. Well, and you, you know, to step in. We're we're even more fortunate because we're siblings. That I think if you're romantically linked to someone, you still don't have that ability to be as blunt as we can. Mm. There's something about blood family that you can. There's a candor. There's an honesty that mm. you can bring that 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 doesn't have as much offence to it. Yeah, we we're so fortunate that there's the least amount of eggshelling going on. Like, there's more eggshell if you're, you know, if it's with a partner or a, a, a non-blood relative. But the the eggshelling when you're having to work with a contractor or a service provider to to try and politely and professionally explain <laughs> what you want, you know, working like my experiences of working with let's let's say designers, and you you're really trying to politely brief them and then give them notes and you know that it's a personal you know art is up for interpretation but to give notes about that and to try and get what you want is can be really like uh, exhausting at times because you can't mm. go that's stupid i want it like this <laughs> <laughs> being you're hurting someone's feelings or being unprofessional and but it's so laborious and so time consuming to try and get to where you want to get to quickly because you're paying. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we are quite lucky in that way. And I suppose from a from a service provider point of view, if we were to sort of focus on your business or anyone in the yoga, Chinese medicine or any service provider, you know, it comes down to the point that once you've capped out at your hourly rate, whether that's $50 a class or a percentage of the class, but the class can only hold, you know, what's a yoga class? Let's call it 12. That's the, mm. you know, and you might make a cut of that. Or if you're a service provider, such as a masseuse or an acupuncturist, you know, you can cap out at, let, let's, let's just say it's $100 an hour. And you'll come to that point where you can't charge anymore or you can't fit any more students in um, and you can't take any more bookings. So your options are that you you give up more days to take more bookings in that scenario. So you open up or you work longer days. You teach more yoga classes because you can't fit any more into that exact class. And if you don't want to do either of those two things, the only other option you've got is to find a way to sell yourself digitally mm. to broaden your audience. And I think that's where you really got to because you were you'd worked out how much of your time you're willing to sell and you didn't want to sell anymore. 
And, yeah. yeah. And and at that same time, I was also quite fragile because I was dealing with the burnout of finishing my degree. And I was very, very protective of how much energy I even had to give to patients or how much energy I had to give to more teacher trainings. Because every time I did a teacher training, I had to sort of allow for time after that training to recover. And I think that I've learned how to deliver in a more relaxed way. But those first couple of years, I gave 200% because that's the only way I'd ever known to do things before. And you and I both come from performance backgrounds. So there's something in that about how prepared you feel like you've got to be, how polished and perfect everything has to be, because you've got these extremely high standards of delivery. And you've really set those for yourself, but they're very difficult to begin to kind of dismantle when you've got that history of of delivering in that way. So you're right. The only way that I could continue to grow was to not be there (laughs) when the trainings (laughs) happened. Right? It's totally right. Um, Otherwise, and and lovely things that are happening. Sorry, lovely things that are happening now is students that have enrolled in the course online, they will leave comments or they will get in contact with me and they'll be discussing things that are in the course. And it's it actually is refreshing for me versus a course that I very well may have, I might have burnt out teaching that course sooner than I thought because it was just so big and it required so much energy of me and the repetitiveness of the content that I was delivering because it had to be done in a certain way, it might've gotten a little stale for me, but by doing what we've done and transferring it into a digital space, it's really just brought it to this whole new level of life, which is fantastic, as well as being able to share it with more people without me having to necessarily be there. Yeah, I think the whole process of, you know, I think we had that idea first of, yes, let's put it online. And then then we sort of had to work backwards and go, okay, well, how the hell do we do that? Right. <laughs> and we, we had to look at quite a few different platforms. Like we, there was a lot of research going on with how, what is the best way to do this? And I suppose if you're someone listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I am behind the eight ball. I haven't even thought about how to put my yoga classes online yet, or I've got a workshop that I want to put online and I don't necessarily want to do it just on YouTube. What do I even do? Mm. That's And we, we had to look at quite a few of those things. Yeah. And I mean, there are, there's multiple different products. And I think if we split it out into online courses and online teaching, I think there's different platforms for both of those. And we use different platforms for both of those aspects of our, our business together. Um, but when it comes to courses, you know, it was about working out what gave us the most control. Mm, and I think we, right. we, we opted for control rather than audience. So in, in that course space, you've sort of got two leaders, which I'm, I'm hoping the second name comes to me quickly. Um, <laughs> you to me is the first one. And I'm about to say Squarespace, but it's not Squarespace. It is. What was the first one you said? Udemy, otherwise known as Udemy. Oh, yes. Skillshare is the other one. Skillshare. Skillshare. I was like, yes, come to me. So both (laughs) of them, you know, work 
that you don't really get control of the price. You can sort of opt in and out of sales. There's a few other sort of restrictive things, but they come with this massive audience that you can market to. So what do you choose? You choose lots of volume of sales at not, not quite the right price or, or you go down another path. And, the you know, we might have considered it further, but if we had looked at putting this course, which, you know, in person with an early bird usually sits around the $1,200 mark for the live version, if you were to then go to a Udemy or a Skillshare and compete with the courses that are on that platform, you'd be lucky to price it at 150 to 200 US dollars. Wow. As a full course. <clears throat> at the size the size of the course that we created. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because with the assumption that because the audience is so huge that you would make more sales? Yeah. But you still got a commission to come out of that $200. Mm. So yeah, we sort of just went down. There was other sort of limitations with how long a class could be and some other things that sort of led us to find Teachable, which is the platform that we use now. Um, Teachable is more – oh, and obviously I need to say that Udemy and Skillshare are free platforms and you lose a commission of your sales, but it costs nothing. You know, If you don't sell anything, it doesn't cost you anything, whereas we went with Teachable. Teachable does have a monthly or an annual cost – I'm going to call it 400 Australian dollars. I could be wrong. Um, but that gives you full control. You you set the price. You, you you know, it's your course. You're just using their framework to actually just put the curriculum mm. on there and you've got a lot more freedom. It does have its downsides. Like, it doesn't have an audience. So mm. you're literally buying a piece of tech, you still need to market it, get people to find it, Um and a lot of those other things that the the Skillshares and the Udemy's solved. Is there a perfect one? No, I suppose it's just finding what really works for what you're trying to do. Um, but I found Teachable for what we've wanted to do to be to be great. Um, mm. Yeah, the downsides are sort of quite marketing and SEO. If you know, if I was to to pick some flaws. And the yoga world online was already pretty huge. It's massive now. It's massive. It's a very, very, very big market. So just the, just the thought of marketing is such a daunting concept for people in the yoga world in a really similar way to people in the Chinese medicine industry, I've got to say. I think those two things are very similar in that people that teach yoga and people that are Chinese, that are drawn to becoming Chinese medicine practitioners, they're very humanitarian and they want to they're service roles where you want to come and provide a service and it comes from the heart most of the time. And for a lot of people, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a big income from doing it in a really small way. But then to think about how, how am I going to sell myself to promote my classes or to promote my clinic or to promote the services that I'm offering, a lot of people really find that off-putting, even just doing what we're doing now to speak to camera and be seen and talk with confidence, unscripted. I know a lot of people in the yoga and the Chinese med world that would just run a mile. So um, it's a really big thing to even get yourself into the digital world, let alone think about 
where am I going to find the people? How am I going to tell people that I exist? Because I guess that's the essence of what marketing is, really. I've got to yeah. let people know that I exist. And let me first and foremost say that marketing is evil. I hate <laughs> marketing. Like, uh, I've been a paid marketer. I've sold stuff. Marketing is bad, but without so it- can I, just, can I just add to that? This, yeah. the, the jack of all trades includes a pretty big chunk of life working in the corporate sector. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's a nice background and I'm very appreciative of some of those tools to be able to bring them, you know, to to my world. Um, and to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, corporate. Think, um, you know, especially in, in this, I don't know, let's call it lifestyle service providers, it feels uncomfortable. Like it feels really uncomfortable to try and sell something because I think, you know, um, in the wellness industry, we hate being sold to. So why would we want to sell out? And and that's mm. a really uncomfortable position to be in because you're like, no, you know, I, I'm down with the man. I don't want to be, but I don't want to play his games. Oh, no, no one's coming to my yoga classes. Why not? Uh, you haven't told anybody. Well, how do I tell anybody? Well, you'll need to spend some marketing. Money. That's marketing. And it's really hard. Small, I think small business marketing now is the hardest it's ever been because, you know, 2021, all the old free tools that we used to have flashback 15, 20 years ago are gone. They don't exist anymore. You know, no one's reading your local papers or notice boards or, you know, community newsletters, printed, anything printed is pretty much dead. You know, flyers, business cards, all of that. I'm not saying they don't exist. But I'm just saying their effectiveness and frequency is a lot smaller. So we've all moved, we all moved to digital spaces, which in the beginning were brilliant. You know, if you look at old Facebook, Let's pick like circa 2009, 10, you know, grandma wasn't on it yet. Mum was interested. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everyone was pressuring you to be on Facebook. And as a Facebook small business owner, you were just all about getting your customers to like your page. That's and right. We, and we all did. We just, yes, I like you. You're throwing out likes like they're chips. You know, just you can have one. Everyone have one. And as a as a business owner with a Facebook page, you know, this is pretty pre Instagram. I don't know if Instagram is even owned by Facebook at this sort of point in time. But you know, a Facebook page could have a thousand likes. You could post something on your Facebook page, and and all your fans would see it. Mm -hmm. And then the algorithm changed. So you, by the time you then had this audience. And then Facebook came back and said, oh, no, we, we want you to pay for that now. <laughs> you, can, you can chat to, let's say, 18% for free. The other 80% aren't going to hear from you unless you pay us about anything. So all of a sudden- I don't think, any, I don't, I don't, I think most people didn't even know that that was going on until later they're like, how come no one's seeing my stuff? Yeah. I used to make Facebook events. I used to make- you know, everyone, that was the yoga world's way of 
making events and promoting them. If you were doing a workshop, if you were doing a teacher training, if you were doing a sound bath, you made a Facebook event, everybody saw it and you would get lots and lots of interest. But now I I don't even know if I've been invited to something. And then sometimes I'll get a little comment from the discussion thread of that event. I'm like, why am I seeing that? Oh, there's an event here that I didn't even know I was invited to. And it just isn't, it just isn't what it was. No, it's not. Um, and, you know, I think we really noticed when those boost your event or boost your post little buttons started popping up, um, which was sort of the, the cheats way to advertise on Facebook. And I think it really stole a lot of people's money. And then obviously the move to Instagram happened and these sort of functionalities of groups and local businesses don't really exist. And again, the algorithm thing sort of happened. So you've got this line of, like, if we looked at it chronologically, you've got all the old stuff, the newspapers dying, Facebook coming in, then the algorithm changing. And then we didn't do things like like building a mailing list. You didn't have an email subscriber list because your email subscriber list was your Facebook fan base or the people who mm. liked your page. Mm-hmm. And that's how you communicate with them. It was easy. It was fast. It was free. And you could you could have comments back and forth. So you didn't – so everyone's – stopped bothering with email marketing and i think if that's if there's one thing i've learned with our journey when we're communicating to your fans or your you know your audience or your customers or your clients or your past attendees future attendees is that the the email list is is paramount that's the best way now and moving forward to, to mm. talk to people and it feels really old and feels really hokey at times to be to be still emailing but it's it from a business point of view it means you own that list yes you know <clears throat> facebook can't come in and go no we're gonna we're gonna charge you now to talk to your people who want to hear from you what? Mm. yeah and we had to do quite a bit of research too to think about how do we want to be emailing people because that's a whole that's a whole nother conversation as well um, because there are a lot of email services out there where people don't even get the emails. They just kind of go straight to spam unless they get opened once, then that particular email service sort of says, oh, this person's not that interested. So <laughs> behind the scenes of everything that we've done and everything that other hardworking people are doing to move their analog business online there's a lot of work. There's a lot of things that need to be looked at. And this email part is just one of them. So we looked at, you know, we started doing it a particular way and then we, we've changed that and we've just, it's just part of the garden that we're constantly tending. It kind of feels like that sometimes, you know, we've, we're now at this place where we've got some really good foundations laid down in all the realms of what this empire requires. And now we're almost sort of going back going back with the with the with the hoe and the rake and just and the secateurs and we're just weeding and trimming and you know the other day Robbie was on the website just changing all the font like I think it's time we change the font I think it's going to help with loading pages faster and maybe that'll help with SEO I'm like great if we're at the stage where we're making a font tweak I think we're doing pretty well (laughs) I think we're in a good place yeah you get down like a YouTube you know homegrown marketing rabbit hole and you just sort of come up with you know you watch 20 things it'll sort of say the same thing you're like all right i gotta 
I gotta fix. I gotta fix fonts. That's what I gotta do. Yeah, I don't think we're we doing font today. We're doing fonts, kids. Get out your font trimmers, and and I don't think we've got email right yet. I don't know what. It, what we get exactly a lot of clicks. Like. like most people open the emails that we send. I think that's a really good sign. Yeah, I mean, what do we? In my old agency marketing agency world, you know, a, on a paid digital advertising campaign, a good click-through rate, so this is an email, I'm just making a small sidetrack, a good click-through rate was 0.11%. What do you mean when you say good click-through rate? So You're not talking about email, you're talking about something else. I'm just talking about digital advertising. So if I ran a digital oh, yeah. ad on a newspaper website for X product, and if my click-through rate, the people who clicked on the ad was at or above 0.11%, that was considered good. Wow. So that's like what? Is that one in a thousand? Something like that. Maths. Not Let's not bring maths into this. Come on. So that's that sort of click-through rate. I mean, most of our emails get about a 50%. 50% of people open them. And that's not to say 50% didn't want to open them. 50% could have not seen it. Or 50% go, I'm not in the country right now. Or 50% go, I have too many emails today. You know, you never, you, know, you just don't know those answers and you're never going to know those answers. So you email or any marketing really, you're never going to know what worked and why. And even That's been really hard because there's been some moments where we're like, why, why did that Why work? that? And, then other and times, why this other thing that we tried a lot with crickets? Huh, like okay. I'm quite happy to be candid here, but I mean, we spent a thousand dollars, which is a lot, but it's not a lot, on Google AdWords launching our course in between sort of Feb and March, which resulted in not a single sale and not a single trial enrollment. So you know. Obviously, our course offers a 24-hour trial for people to actually see what's in there. And, I, and we've always said that's important because- Free trial. <clears throat> well, you know, if I'm buying something that's that price, I want to know what the hell's in it. And yeah, I, I want, want a taster. Want Come it. on, who are you? Yeah. You know, it's like those great markets in London where you just walk around and you can just basically taste everything. A free cheese. <laughs> I, I'm sure there was poor days when I was living there where I would just go to that bricklay market on a Saturday. If you just walked enough, take your jacket <laughs> off, do another lap, maybe put on a cap, do another lap. It was lunch right there. It was quite good. Anyway, the trial bag under that jacket, just feeding things in. Yes, for Sunday. Bring your own beer. <laughs> but we would, you know, we we dropped a thousand dollars, and that's when I got nervous. I'm like, oh god. I don't know what I'm But doing. we had a, a lot of people clicked on that ad, though. Clicks were enormous. Impressions. It's like 300 people clicked on that ad. There's more. There's more. There's more than that. More than that. Like, the numbers were incredibly good, but that's what was making it uh, strange because you're going, hang on, lots of people are seeing it, lots of people are clicking on it, no one's taking a trial. Mm. I'm not even worried about you buying it right now, but you didn't try it. So- that says to me this, there was something wrong. I mean, they're talking to the wrong people. Bots are clicking on it. The website is crap or the course is crap. Something's, something's amiss. And the course is fantastic. <laughs> Just got to say. Not biased. Not that. 
But it's, it was weird to have, you know, just in a strike rate to have all those people click on an ad of something that they might be interested in to not bother to just see what was behind the wrapping paper. Like, mm. with, like there's, no, yeah. there's no credit card, there's nothing. Like, it's, it, it's a genuine, proper trial. So that was, that yeah, was we were stumped for quite a bit. That really, both of us kind of went, huh. It was a bit, it was a little bit, I felt a bit deflated by that. I was definitely deflated because you go. And then we think to ourselves, we don't have that big a budget at this point yet. We can't just throw another 500 bucks or a thousand bucks and try again for nothing to come through. That's, whoa, that just feels like too much of a gamble. So we just kind of had to sit on it for a bit. We'll just sit and just and go, okay, hold on. What, let's just, let's just think about this. Cause I think if we, I think if we'd said like one or two sales from that, marketing expense would have been brilliant that would have been being like okay that's the ratio that's what it, you have to spend that much to get those sales okay this is how much we'll need to spend you know then you get the analytics of which ad worked because there might have been like five ads and you go okay let's not use those ones let's just use that one mm. and at, at this point in the conversation <laughs> um if you happen to be somebody who's kind of listening to all of this back of house lingo algorithms and marketing and click throughs and all of that industry speak. And you're thinking, oh my God, I just need to film a class and get it on a platform. What do I, how do I even get started? Yeah. Maybe we could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you're not a tech person and in the most inoffensive way, like I, I sincerely don't mean this generalization to be offensive, but the majority of yogis I've met are at a slight odd with technology. Fair statement? Unfair statement? We're learning. We're, we're all on Zoom now, so we've got that. We've got Zoom yeah, under our I belts. Mean, I suppose it, probably not at odds, but, you know, prefer the tangible. They love the in-room experience. They love seeing students in front of them and – they would prefer to be in person than on technology I from the yogis that I have met. So, you know, sometimes technology can be incredibly overwhelming. And I suppose that the question is, you know, how are you wanting to structure your online yoga business? You know, the simplest way is if you've already got a studio that's got some sort of online payment method is you have a Zoom account that's paid. What's a Zoom What's a Zoom membership? Oh, like 20 bucks, 20-ish dollars a month, depending on how much storage you want to use with Zoom. But you can always record onto your computer. You don't have to use Zoom storage. Yeah. So, I mean, that's your, that's your cheapest way of take your payment, here's your, and then you just email those students your Zoom link and you're doing your, your live stream via Zoom. You can then at least have that interaction with your students so you can see them, give feedback, give notes, or, or whatever's necessary there. Um, you know, and, and Zoom as a platform is, is pretty good. It's pretty stable. Uh, you know, from an from a aesthetic point of view, it's not amazing because it's, you know, it's using probably a pretty lo-fi webcam that you, you're, you, you've got on your computer or your phone. Um, and then it's obviously a pretty compressed image, mm. but of 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 sight or sound, if someone had a little bit of money to invest in one of those things, um, 
what would you recommend? Do you think it's more important for the camera to be improved or do you think that sound is more important? What do you think about that? That's a good question, actually. If you're keeping it low budget, I would kind of, I'd be leaning towards sound well, myself. I think, yeah, I, I think from the classes that I've done, you know, and if you're somewhat familiar with that teacher or that sequence, you're probably not watching that much of the screen. Mm. You are probably listening, so it's an auditory experience. Um, and, you know, you're going to want to hear that person better than you can see them. And I think you're going to forgive mm. bad lighting, fluorescent lighting or crappy camera better than you are going to be able to forgive. Sorry, I can't hear you. What was that? Huh? Type I can't forgive bad sound. I can't forgive it. <laughs> You're a very like sound if sensitive a, if, person. I'm a super sensitive sound person. Sa, sa, sa. If there's a distortion or a rustling or, you know, like, you know, sometimes you can go to somewhere and people have got, I'm going to speak about a relic tech here, a radio turned up and it's just way too loud and it's distorted and no one else seems to be bothered and it's pumping and my ears just start to bleed. I just, I cannot handle that. Or... So, you know, I would be inclined to say if you can get yourself um, a reasonably a reasonably well-priced but good quality lapel mic <laughs> as opposed to having your computer far enough, let's say you are using Zoom and you've got your computer far enough away from you so that you can fit yourself into frame to teach your sequence, you've got to consider how echoey the room might be and how that sound is going to bounce through the computer, how the volume of your voice is also going to be in direct competition with any other sounds that are in that room or if there's traffic sounds or if there's other sounds in the house that you're recording in. I, I would say that uh, a microphone would be my tip of things to invest in if you are trying to level up a little bit and have better quality in what it is that you're providing with a yoga class if that's the thing that you're bringing onto the digital space. Yeah, and I'd say, you know, the cheapest work around that would be if you're in the max sphere is your is your AirPods or equivalent mm. with Windows if you're running a, a Windows computer there. But that's that's just gonna at the very least put the microphone on your body, on your person, so that if you are two meters away from your computer, people can hear you. The volume is mm. consistent. That's probably the cheapest and quickest way. Otherwise, there are plenty of great, thanks to last year, there's some plenty of great, good lapel-based mics that talk to your computer, some that are Bluetooth, that are just going to improve your students' experience when they're doing yeah. class with you. And, you know, Zoom in particular, and I haven't used any of the other platforms. I know there's some dedicated yoga platforms. But Zoom makes it really quite idiot proof to pick which mic you're using. You just literally poop, boop, 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 you know, if it's all connected. So mm. I think that's really going to improve, you know, if you're looking for something like that. But yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. And um, I mean, maybe we should also just talk a little bit about encouraging people to make sure that they're not just giving away their digital stuff for free. There's really interesting things going on at the moment where Coming back to that notion again of people in the service industry, particularly in the yoga space or the Chinese medicine space, where 
we feel like our our legacy or we feel like our our purpose is to be of service to others and that's why we're attracted to these kinds of jobs in the first place and i think sometimes um in the same way that we can feel a little bit awkward about marketing ourselves we could have a predisposition to undervalue it what it is that we're giving especially um if you are if you're going to be investing all of this time and maybe some money into equipment and then you're going to be putting your classes online for free you've got to kind of think about the broader impact of what that is you know robbie and i've been having discussions about just different things that we've been seeing in different studios and um, different offerings that people have been doing and what they've been setting their prices at and it i think that there's a bit of undercutting going on so if you've got a a robust studio that's going to be putting all of their online classes up for free what's that going to do for the the yoga teacher that's trying to survive in these really interesting financial times by putting their evening class up every day or have their five classes a week up online they're trying to get an audience and someone else is doing it for free and they they need to charge money for what they're doing so that they can have a living I don't know. What do you do? You want to speak to that at all? Yeah, yeah. I think you know. At the end of the day, free yoga already exists and existed long before last year's business. Like, if you wanted a free yoga class, you just go to YouTube, find yourself some free yoga. So then, if you're a yoga teacher or a yoga studio, you need to ask yourself the question: Is why is why is X coming to to practice yoga with me instead of doing yoga at home for free on YouTube? Because you have something of value, whether that is that you are, you've got wonderful sequences, whether your studio gives them calm, they like having 60 minutes away from home where it's quiet, it's no phone time, there's no technology involved, they're not doing, you know, all those sort of things. You have a value. So then when, when we went into this, you know, yoga from home due to circumstances beyond our control, you know, you really got to ask yourself, why do you think your value went from something to nothing? And if it's just out of compassion, people have got a compassionate option, which is to opt for free existing yoga on YouTube. You can go and do that anytime. And there's some great stuff on YouTube. Don't let mm. me discount that at all. But you still have a value. So you need to, to keep that value. I don't think it's not uncompassionate is that the opposite of compassionate uncompassionate yeah or it's not uncompassionate arrogant to, yeah to charge people to come and do your yoga class and if they can't yeah. afford to they have that power that agency to say hey can you pause my membership for a couple of weeks or they just won't buy a class you know and if you're worried that all your students will disappear and never come back then I think you need to have a, a closer look at yourself because you do actually have value. That's why you had students in the first place. But look for free ways that you can connect with them to remind them of your value. That's mm. your email list. That's, you know, using your social medias or if you've got private Facebook groups, use that free space. Call them, text them, offer them some, some extra support if you want to support people. But that doesn't mean giving away your product for free. And then I think on the flip of that, you know, digital yoga, you know, I don't think anyone in the world is pricing the same as in-person yoga. 
No, I don't think they are. And and that's just a reality. But I mean, we're the same. Your your teacher training is cheaper digitally than it is in person. <clears throat> Pardon me, which makes an in person product a premium, and so we can appreciate mm-hmm. that. So it's already harder doing this online to make a living. And then I think you know I don't want to sound like I'm putting a union hat on, but the moment <laughs> you offer something for free. You know, you're you're saying that all yoga isn't worth anything, and if there's a Ooh. yoga studio, yeah, big like, statement. Yeah, well, it's, it's true. I agree with that. And then, yeah. what does that do? What does that do to you know? Yes, at its heart, yoga is about self improvement or wellness or whatever label we want to put on it. But the, the it's also a business. You know, mm. I'm not saying it needs to be over-commercialized, but people need to eat. People people got to pay rent on their studios, or they've got to pay for their Zoom memberships, whatever, whatever your costs are. So it is still a business. And I think the moment, you know, what I'm seeing with some studios is, you know, there's one in particular um, that has got, every time it's gone into lockdown, their entire curriculum is free. Every single class. Wow. And... Well, I wonder if the, I wonder if a lot of people are partaking because when you give something away for free, it has no value to the person that's taking it. So, yeah, you can just log off too because you don't care. Yeah. Oh, this class is dull. I was. Uh, yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't have that value for the person that's receiving it if it's free. I have a different example for this. I also work uh, as an assistant acupuncturist at a public school um, learning clinic where the public can come and just get incredibly cheap acupuncture. But because it's so cheap, often people just don't turn up or they cancel at the last minute because it's not, uh, they don't value it high enough. So people kind of are, people can be a little more disrespectful if if they know that there's not that much on the line for them. Whereas if someone has paid even if it's $10 for a class, they're, pro- they're probably going to be a little bit more present for that class because they've paid for it. So the exchange is there. And I think that this kind of comes back to how uncomfortable people can get around money, but there has to be a fair exchange of energy. So sometimes I like to talk about it in that language that if you're giving a service, that service, the, the, the energy that you are expending or offering has to be met with energy on the other end. Otherwise, these are the places in which we start to bleed out. These are the places in which we start to begin burning out because we haven't received room. Um, what's the right word? We haven't been ruminated. ruminated. That's not the word. Ruminated. We haven't been met. Which? We haven't been met energetically in the way that that can be balanced out. No. Remunerated. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Not rem- rem- that took a while. Oh, but I stuff that word up all the time. Rumination is, I think, about- To think. To yeah. rumin- ruminating thoughts is to have, like, anxious thoughts that never stop. It's also something about a dairy cow's production of milk. R- ruminate? Ruminating. Rum- really? Yeah, it's definitely a dairy word. Wow. Ruminating. Maybe it's got something to do with the way that the milk swirls around, like thoughts swirl around in your mind. Good. Four stomachs. Yeah. You thought of Skillshare so much faster than 
this word that I'm not going to say again. Remuneration. Anyway, remuneration. <laughs> Everyone needs to be remunerated for yes, their offerings. Or, or financially. Otherwise, at, at a certain point, you'll be like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And, and why am I staying up until 8 p.m. at night to do a free Zoom class for people? I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if, I've, if I really answered that earlier question of, you know, marketing my business in, in today's age. Um, but if, if, you, if you think that giving away the, all your yoga classes for free is the best marketing exercise, you know, you're always going to be catching your tail and you are never going to catch it. I think, you know, in the old in-person way, you know, it was always discounted introductory. You could sort of come to us. You would have seen those sort of like two-week mm -hmm. passes. Yeah, introductory passes. Yeah, which was, A, it was paid. It was at a great price, but, you know, people could get a really good taste of, of what was available at X Studio and to see if this is where I want to be. And those same sort of concepts can be applied to online classes, you know, whether that's, you know, maybe you could give away a class, come to a class or, or something similar. Mm -hmm. Here is a discount or here is a, a class pass. I know that sort of there are yoga digital platforms and, and pieces of software that allow for the same sort of buy a pass, come to as many as you want during the week sort of thing. But, yeah. Yeah. Giving it away for free. For, I mean, that goes to any business. No business has succeeded by giving themselves away for free. No. And on a deeper level, I think if you are doing that or you think you should be doing that, then um, some time does need to be spent having a good look at where your self worth is sitting at. And that's really intense. <laughs> But to be able to kind of be on screen and speak about the things that you're passionate about and feel confident about the things that you have to offer means that you've really got to believe in yourself. You've really got to back yourself. And you've got to know that what you're offering is worth people's remuneration. 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 Damn it. So close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> right? Because if you don't have that, you'll think that it's okay for everyone to just get all the best of you and for you not to get paid. Well, I think people can pick up on it. You can pick up, you know, if you meet someone who's got low self-esteem, you know, you can, you'd see it in patience. You'd see it with, you can, you can walk down the street and sometimes you can spot it. And, yeah, I do. You know, if you, if you can't believe in your, you know, I mean, this sounds like I'm, I'm preaching, but you know, you, you do have to believe in yourself to get someone else to value you the same way you should value yourself. That's that same exchange of energy, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely gone off on a tangent here. Definitely. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Less tech, but I think it comes back to it. And I think that's what we're, we're seeing, particularly as people have sort of moved to this online space. And I don't know, you know, I think there's a bit of fear happening as, as people have moved online because the numbers have dropped. I don't, I'd have to say this from you. I don't know the answer here is, but uh, with no in-person yoga currently available, you know, have less, are less people going to yoga? 
that's my question. Well, I definitely know that there's massive Zoom fatigue going on. And everybody that I have spoken to at this current time in Melbourne, which is where we are in Australia, that people are just quite flat and that, that their whole world now exists on Zoom. Their work meetings, their social life, their yoga, maybe their Pilates class, everything's on Zoom and they're just sick of it. And I had this conversation with a group of yogis the other day, a group that I lecture, and we were just talking about the different feeling that you get when you're in a class. Like if you actually get to leave your home, go to a studio and leave your world behind and fall into the hands and the voice of your favorite teacher whom you trust, and you get to just really drop in and you don't have to be the one driving the ship. And you can get into that sweet transcendental space. You can find that rhythm and you come out and have that magical yoga feeling of, oh, God, I can handle my life again. I feel like I'm revived. I can deal with my kids and my partner and, oh, my goodness, I really needed that. Versus if you've got to do that yourself, find the time to do it. Let's say it's a pre-recorded class. Roll out your mat on your, in your yoga square in the lounge room. <laughs> And you have to self-motivate the whole process because it's just so easy to go, oh, that's enough. I'm distracted. I just check my emails. I put the kettle on. Okay, I'm just going to stop right there. You can't do that in the middle of a yoga studio. Yeah, I, you guys got a kettle. I just I a cup of tea. I'll do that. But everyone's so kind of sick of themselves. I think that's a pretty big broad brushstroke, but I think particularly in Melbourne right now when we're recording this, there's a heaviness, there's a flatness, people are just over it. So the thought of drumming up that spark of, yeah, I'm going to do yoga every day and I'm going to bake bread, I'm going to learn Spanish, that's just not quite the vibe at the moment. So, yeah, numbers have dropped. And, you, well, and I don't I mean, think people's engagement levels have the capacity to actually be there for a 60-minute class or a 90-minute class. Back in the day, it was the thing, like all yoga classes were two hours long. What? Yeah. That's an Iyengar thing, I think. Wow. Iyengar practices were all two hours long. That blows my mind. Yeah. And now you have, and now 60 minutes is quite long for many people. Or 60 minutes was sort of a sacrilege thought to shift these 90-minute or two-hour practices to 60 minutes was like, oh, what's the point of that? I wouldn't be surprised if they push it further. Like, There's this whole, you know, I'm going to go off topic here, but, you know, there is this push at the moment, which I think if my gut is saying anything, it's driven by TikTok, of short-form content from a marketing point of view. Everything's about short-form, got to be short-form. You know, there's an article the other day that said the new ideal podcast length is three minutes. You told me that and I just was like, what? Three minutes. Keeping in mind that 60, 60 seconds of that's probably going to be ads. So it's really a two-minute podcast. And I just go, <laughs> wow. So like, I It can't be called that. That's got to be called something else. Oh, it does, have, it does have some sort of buzzword. Don't ask me what it is. But a mini pod? Power pod. Power podcast. <laughs> I'm 100% making that up. Um well, but, I like it. You know, are we looking down the barrel of, you know, the nine-minute yoga, yin yoga <laughs> <laughs> sequence? The power yeah, five-minute yin yoga classes. 
No. That's what I love about yin yoga is that it does, it pulls us out of these fast yang production, quantity driven things that everyone's dealing with all the time. And that yin yoga is actually like, no, we are going to be quiet and slow and unwind all of that social conditioning that's gotten in there and taught you that your self-worth is equated to your productivity and your productivity has to keep being more snappy and more compressed because no one even wants to watch a minute length video on YouTube anymore or Instagram anymore. I think yin yoga is actually quite rebellious in that as long as it's not a five-minute class because it does give you this place where you get to dismantle all of these yeah, intense yang working conditions that you've been soaking in what if you you've been living in a capitalist society. Which we are. For any time. But do you think then that that online yoga works best as a live offering rather than a, you know, play as you go, you know? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I I do think that people would probably commit to the full length of it if it was live, a live streamed kind of class. And I think some of those reasons would be out of respect, out of respect for the person who's delivering it versus this is a pre-recorded thing. If I've had enough at 20 minutes, no one's going to know. I can just, I can cut myself short. The only person that's going to kind of be bothered by it is me. That's just purely on me. But if you were on a Zoom with someone doing something live and you bailed, I don't know, maybe you'd feel bad about that. Maybe that's maybe that's a reason to stay. So, yeah, I think a live stream, people would commit more to that. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I, I, I agree with all those sentiments. And I think there's something about an appointment time. Yoga is at seven. I've got to be ready by seven or they will start without me and I can't mm-hmm. rewind. Um, so I suppose, you know, if you are looking to grow, you know, this is me working this out as I go, but I suppose the growth is online scheduled yoga rather than a, a digital access whenever you want library to try mm. and maintain the value of the in-studio experience. I think what I've observed with people is that it's very difficult for people to self-motivate when left to their own devices. It wasn't that long into last year when everybody had to shift their yoga classes onto the digital screen uh, that we saw a massive plummet in, you know, at what point in the class were most people stopping? And it was about the 20-minute mark of what would usually be a 60-minute mark. Like, oh, okay, that's as much as people are willing. Like, this is a graph. I'm going down. That's 20 minutes. That's as much as people are willing to commit to this when they're on their own, which also tells me that we're really easily distracted. We self-sabotage very easily as well. Like, ah, I'm just not going to do that. We don't necessarily have good discipline. And unless we're in the room with somebody who is keeping us on track, we'll quit. We'll quit pretty quickly. Yeah. 
So when, when people are left to their own devices to self-manage their time, their motivations, their drive, their, their everything, it's really, really hard for a lot of people. You know, I know for myself, I've bought a ton of Chinese medicine courses, online courses, and maybe it's just a little bit too soon because it hasn't been that long since I've finished university. And I've been at a couple of universities. I've got a few under my belt. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the days just go by and I think to myself, every day I should be scheduling 30 to 60 minutes of self-study and just chipping away at all these awesome courses that I've bought, but I'm just not doing it. I'm working on our empire. There's tons of other things that we're doing. Yeah. But that particular thing doesn't quite make it into the priority list for me at the moment. But if I had signed up for some kind of course that was scheduled and it was, say, every Saturday morning, it's an hour, you need to log in and do it, I'd be doing it because I've committed to something where I'm going to be accountable. My accountability is going to be better managed when there are other people involved versus if, if it's just me. That accountability is so interesting, isn't it? Mm. God. Yeah, like, mate, does accountability only matter if somebody else is paying attention? Totally. Does accountability matter if it's just me? Maybe not. It, it, yeah, in this example, definitely not. And that I think that speaks broadly to a bigger issue, but... Um, <laughs> but we can do another episode. I'm we can definitely talk about not qualified to talk about that. Um, but, yeah, I... Th- Coming back to sort of where we started, I, you know, it is hard as a non-yoga teacher but involved in this community, it is hard for yoga teachers to, to run a successful business and yeah. at the same time to still feel connected spiritually to what they're teaching. You know, you like, if I go too far out, you've sold out, man. But if you're far mm. too over the other way, mm. man, you're not eating. So where is that line? Like you That have- is a very difficult balance to strike. Yeah. And-, and I think the thing that happens is it's very much the same with Chinese medicine. Again, these worlds are really similar. And I, it, it, you get into choppy water when you take something that is a spiritual practice and you try and make it into a business. Well, you know, there's this, you know, guilt that that service providers in this industry feel that if I'm successful, I should feel guilty because I make money helping people. You know, that's just a mind frame that needs to be shifted because the more money you make, the more capacity you have to share those gifts. There's a difference between making money from helping people and 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 ripping people off. Yeah, if you're taking advantage of people, then then you're going to have to, you know, bear that own cross. But mm-hmm. if you're just good at what you do, which means you make money for it, I, you know, we've got to remove that guilt. Um, and and yoga teachers have got to sort of get over that. You know, you you, you need to be able to put food on the table by doing what you love doing because otherwise what's going to happen as an outsider observing is that you're going to go, I can't survive doing what I love doing, so I'm going to have to do something I don't love doing to be able to survive which is probably goes against the whole reason you wanted to be a yoga teacher in the first place. <laughs> it's complicated. It's really complicated. It's really hard. Um, yeah. So it's, 
you know, I would encourage any yoga teacher to empower themselves with tech, with marketing, you know, and you don't have to be a wizard. And there are lots of easy to use platforms, devices, etc., that can empower you up to allow you to do what you love doing and to be successful at it in this current world. Because there is a way it does take a lot of work, but there is a way. Um, otherwise, you are going to go down that path of I'm going to have to choose something else or I'm going to be really, really, really hungry or mm. I'm going to be really, really tired because I've had to teach 80 classes this week. And that's, that's a lot of That is not sustainable. Oh, you're not going to see your family. You're yeah. Before any, before any of this kind of digital stuff even happened, the, the turnaround rate for people that wanted to shift their careers into yoga teachers, um, how long they were able to manage that for. I think some of the people that trained at the same time that I did at AYA and just before and just after, I think we noted that the good yoga teachers, many of the good yoga teachers lasted about five years before they went, I need to do something else or I need to study something else to bolster this or I need to do something more niche and specialised and I want to learn different training. And a lot of us end up going off and just mostly teaching yin or restorative or practices that are much more about self-care and, and rebuilding and replenishing because we feel like we've just cooked ourselves teaching all these flow classes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's a whole different um, conversation that we could have at some point about a few more sort of specific things that people could do to set themselves up, some tools and tips and tricks and things like yeah, that. So that. that's definitely something we could do. Yeah, I think kind of I'd narrow like things to, down. Yeah, I think I think I'd like to I'd love to come back and just sort of come up with some real marketing strategies that don't cost the earth, or just and even free tips that we could sort of talk about. To yeah, I think people would like that to be found. Yeah, and they'd be things that would be really relevant across the board. So if you're somebody who's just starting to try and get more clients for your acupuncture clinic or your herbal medicine clinic or your naturopathic clinic or whatever it is that you're doing in that sector or the yoga sphere, I think the kinds of things that you would bring would be relevant for both. So, yeah, we could definitely do that. You have a chat about that, sure. Yeah. Um, wow. What are you, what are your, what's your summary of this beautiful conversation that we've had? How would you, how nice. would you sum up? Um, I think just sort of the, the, where I was just at before, I suppose it's, it's, um, I want to see, you know, when I look at you in this industry, I, I, I love watching how empowered you've become, you know, to take the healing and to, to really grow as a business person. And and I think everyone is capable of that. And whilst that can feel daunting, you know, empower yourself with the knowledge and tools that are out there to, to grow that. Because at the end of the day, that means you're gonna be able to heal and work with more patients or more um, students and, and connect with them and help them. And that's not a bad thing. So mm. that's- that's what it's about. I love that. Yeah. And don't give up. There's so many there's so many cool things on offer. If you're willing to sit through some DIY YouTubes or punch the questions that you have into the internet, 
and just start trawling and researching because even for Robbie and I, this journey hasn't necessarily been easy. The ease has been that we're, we're a beautiful fit and we work so well together because we communicate really well and we work at a very similar pace. We're a really good fit. But we didn't come into this knowing everything. We've only figured things out because we've tried stuff or we've researched it or we've looked at it. So I think all of those skills that we, we have when we encounter problems is the exact same thing that's going to come up for people here. You come up against a little roadblock, instead of feeling so overwhelmed and daunted by it, just stop, take a beat, breathe, look at it, look at what's around it, see what other options you've got. And then you can start to make a decision about how you're going to move through that little block. There'll be moments where you feel like you're really getting into a nice canter and you're beginning to jog along. And then there'll be moments where you, uh, you get stopped again, but don't give up, keep going because we need more people that are willing to step into this space with um, confidence and um, networking abilities and a sense of community so that we can all help each other to shine and grow. And we can all do those things that we love the most, which is usually coming straight from the heart and taking care of our fellow humans. And we are at a very interesting time now where people need these services more than ever before. People need groundedness. People need, people need some guidance in helping to keep their minds soft. <laughs> there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of difficulty in planning the future. So we need the yoga teachers and we need the acupuncturists and we need the herbalists so that we can all get through this together. So yeah, come join us, <laughs> come and get online. Thank you so much, Robbie, for having this conversation today. You bring yeah. the most exquisite wealth of knowledge and humor and savviness to this collab. I am, I am incredibly blessed. This is wonderful. And I hope that you have enjoyed listening to us, you know, wow. ramble on with all sorts of things today and we're going we're gonna to find an ending right here. So thank you so much. To view the show notes from this episode and to subscribe, visit drkarinasmith.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget to check out Karina's online courses at drkarinasmith.com forward slash courses and use promo code SAVE10 to get 10% off.